We're here with episode 11 of the Punch Drunk Podcast. This is Patrick J. in Pittsburgh with Andy G. in Minneapolis. What's happening? We're going to talk uh, about a bunch of miscellaneous stuff today. And uh, probably the most relevant to the Timberwolves right now is Team Canada and a couple of Wolves playing. And uh, we're interested in how they're developing and what their futures look like. So let's dish on Anthony Bennett first before getting uh, on to talk a little bit about Andrew Wiggins. Uh, so so Bennett is a wild card right now. Uh, his future with the Wolves is uncertain. He's played pretty horribly for his first two years in the NBA, but uh, through a lot of adversity and unfortunate circumstances. So uh, I think he's looked pretty good. I've seen most of two of Canada's game so far. I wasn't able to see the Venezuela game where apparently he had a huge dunk, which is unusual, but uh, he looks like he's, he's in better shape and is running well, which seems like something you should do if you're a professional basketball player, but it's actually something he needed to work on. And so that's encouraging. I, I, I have reservations about how well he's actually developing some of the aspects I think that'll be most important for his future in the NBA, but what's your take on, on AB so far? I know that you are not an uh, impartial observer, but there are contract implications here as well, so. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I haven't seen all of these Team Canada games. They're usually, some of them have been on during the workday, and frankly, they've been playing some really overmatched <laughs> countries, so it's not always the most competitive setting either. Uh, somebody like Bennett is bound to look better when he's just that much more physically imposing than his than his opponents. Um, he had a double-double over Venezuela, 10 points, 10 boards, I think, on 5 of 7 shooting. Um, at that point in the tournament, which was through Thursday, I'm reading Kyle Radke's article on it on Timberwolves.com here. At, at that point, he was averaging 10.7 points, 6.5 boards, 1.3 assists, shooting 70% from the field. So obviously he's you know had, had good luck, uh, good success in these Canadian Team Canada games. There was a highlight where Olenek and him did uh, kind of a backdoor cut alley-oop dunk. We know, we know Bennett can do that. But we don't, didn't know Kelly Olenek could do that. We didn't know Kelly Olenek could do that, is right. We, When I watch Bennett, the thing that I worry about is that he looks tired pretty quickly all the time. Even when his body is in shape, he has these asthma issues, conditioning issues, where too often on defense he's standing straight up, not kind of, you know, in the NBA game, you don't have to necessarily do the, like, you know, down in a hard, low stance. You know, the way, Jackson. Yeah, you don't necessarily do that, like, shell drill style help defense all the time. There's a little bit more, um, I don't know if you'd just call it the athleticism factor or what, but people don't just, like, crouch down into their, like, Duke basketball slap the floor stance all the time, but Bennett's a little bit on the extreme other end sometimes where he looks like he's just gassed. Uh, but again, that's after some time. He could still work on his conditioning and also just get more disciplined with that. But he does looks, you know, he's he's his shot has looked good when I've watched him. Well, it always looks good. The question is if it's going to go in. I would think it will eventually with more regularity. But um, he he. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say the thing. So, so what I was alluding to at the opening was the the kind of fundamental offensive skill set that I think a guy with his body type and athleticism needs to develop to be 
don't know, I mean, more like some of the guys he used to get compared to, right? I mean, he's never, I don't, I think we, everyone can agree that um, we can't you know, expect him to develop into Charles Barkley, Blake Griffin, or you know, name your other kind of like power forward, you know, Amari, mm-hmm. lottery pick, you know, top, you know, high level lottery pick, power forward type. It's roughly in the same, you know, super athletic and, and relatively tall. But, um, but all of those guys, I think what you know what they had or have in common is you know have a, a set of moves that they can rely on to score buckets. And Bennett gets a lot of nice highlights because he's on the receiving end. You know, he's a great dunker, and he is playing its shitty competition in the FIBA basketball uh, games for the most part, apart from Argentina. Yeah. Uh, where, uh, I mean, so Scola, who had a huge game against Canada and Argentina, is when I had something absurd, like, what, 27? 35 points and 12 or 13 like, boards. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so Kevin Love-like numbers. Yeah. And, um, but I think actually Olenek was trying to check him a lot of that game. Hence the 35 so, points. <laughs> Maybe uh, I, th- I think Bennett uh, was matching up on him a bit, but less than than Olenek was. But I just I, 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 Bennett. So the the thing that strikes me is how tentative he continues to look, uh, even against the subpar competition when he gets the ball in in sort of like a you know a position where you, you should be able to do some kind of either back to the basket move. He's looked kind of like a deer in headlights, you know, a triple threat kind of position when he catches the ball um he looks like he can catch the ball and and shoot it from the top of the key we saw that early last season Mm -hmm. but the rest of the skill set that i was really excited about i felt like i saw him demonstrate when he had some confidence actually coming out of unlv uh yeah it's sort of it's where did it go you know is is uh, are they not coaching him right or is he not listening or what is he is he uh having some other issues well, this gets to things we've written about and talked about since the beginning of last year. In some of those preseason games last year and very first couple of regular season games, it seemed almost as if Bennett might be better on offense at that point than Wiggins. I don't know if you remember. Like there was a, yeah. a couple week time where you know Bennett was getting the ball, his jab stepping, hitting jumpers, and but what obviously what I mean whether that was true or not, what happened was flip you know understandably invested in wiggins first you know first second and third it was we don't know what it would what would happen if bennett were to be invested in that way it didn't happen in cleveland because he joined the team that was not only dysfunctional but was trying to make the playoffs he had i don't even remember what their roster looked like when he joined it they had Kyrie and Andrew Bynum, and they kind of had high hopes, didn't they, when he went there? It was sort of a weird team to get the number one pick. Yeah, um, I think it was uh, Mike Brown was the yeah. coach initially that season, and it was, it was extremely dysfunctional. We saw a game, uh, yeah. a Wolves game at Cleveland uh, a couple of years ago when Bennett was a rookie, and I mean, you could see the dysfunction written all over the team. C.J. Miles was uh, was their go-to guy, uh, and was just destroying Alexi Shved. I mean, it sort of shows how much both teams. Uh, yeah. the, the Cavs ran up like a thirty-point lead, and the Wolves almost won the game, but managed to lose. I mean, it's it's neither here nor there. But right. uh, the bottom line is Bennett. I mean, he's had a bunch of of difficult situations where he's never been featured in the NBA, I think is, is the common denominator. Um, not that he necessarily should 
get that just by being number, you know, virtue of being yeah. number. But but it usually happens, and usually the usually there's some sort of I don't know what the term would be like a self fulfilling prophecy or something like that where you know the highest the one you try to, to actually feature him because yeah you, the the highest know, picks that makes the sense. Highest the highest picks end up in the situations where the worst teams and they're the highest picks. So they're the, you know, presumably the teams want to develop them. And usually there's a year or two where those super high picks are heavily featured in their team's system. And Bennett didn't get that in Cleveland because he was injured and out of shape on a weird dysfunctional team. And he didn't get it in Minnesota because he was no longer the, you know, high number one pick he was the bust who was trying to start over and he just a whole different dynamic the way he came in with Wiggins as an afterthought um he was he never has even had anything remotely uh resembling a a primary role in the Wolves offense and he isn't going to and never will happen and you know barring something really unexpected like a total you know 180 in terms of how he approaches things but what could happen is he could learn how to be a useful role player then you know slowly but surely well you laugh i mean i i that sounds didactic on us here no that well that sounds like worse than i mean what i mean is sort of like what harrison like what harrison barnes is to the warriors in my opinion bennett has as much talent as harrison barnes when he was coming into the league i mean he's not quite the same type of body, but both have pretty impressive bodies that look like they could be versatile. Barnes is really good on defense in a lot of ways. Bennett, I think, could be good on defense. He needs to continue to get in better shape. The thing on defense that Bennett doesn't do well enough yet is he doesn't get out to to, to get it all. He doesn't get all the way out to the three-point line or out on jump shooters. Um, he does know how to bang inside. He can hold his ground because he is really strong. He knows how to take a charge, and he can rebound. But he needs to continue to get more aware, and he needs to continue to work on his lateral abilities, which I think he can do. I don't know. I, I don't think that he's a finished product as a defensive player, provided that he tries to work on it, because hopefully he's smart enough to know where the NBA has headed in the last year you know, one to two seasons, players with his body type uh, in terms of height and potential versatility are becoming increasingly valuable, especially if they can shoot the ball, because that means they can defend important positions and not hurt their offense. So I don't don't think he has to be a high usage guy who's impressive with his one-on-one game on a team that has Rubio, Wiggins, Levine, and now Towns. I don't think that he'll ever get the opportunity He's just got to knock down shots and run the floor like he's doing uh, and dunk the ball when he gets a chance. Yeah. Uh, one thing on his defense before uh, one other Bennett-related issue, at least um, kind of uh, about his on-court performance. And uh, on defense, uh, I just wanted to run a total eye test uh, observation by you and see if it, if you agree or disagree. But um, So I don't think you mentioned sort of I think he's got decent instincts uh, for interior help defense. And now we're, we're kind of pretty deep in the weeds on uh, uh, abilities, right? It's not like the first thing that you look for in a number one pick, but if he's trying to become that useful role player, that's something that you want. Uh, do you see that or is it sort of wishful thinking since I'm a card carrying Bennett fan? Yeah. Well, I think he has long arms, and something that he does do is tips balls a lot. I don't know if that's interior or just kind of in general, but I I do think he's a guy who 
definitely tips away passes and he makes life difficult for some some teams that way his problems in my opinion are more the vision and the discipline of not letting up uh which it's it's always a question of whether he's in shape or not because some games he looks like he's in shape and some games he doesn't i don't know i think he might have that doesn't he have sleep apnea i don't know if he's still battling to find a sort of a day-to-day I, um, yeah, I think consistency. He got, yeah, I think, I think he got rid of the CPAP or whatever it's called, yeah. the, like, scary Hannibal Lecter mask. Sorry to all the people who have sleep apnea out there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, no, so, so he, I mean, he's, it's, it's not to make light of it. He's got a bunch of, of these sort of fluky, uh, it seems, type of type of physical issues that seem to be persisting, recurring. Yeah. I don't know how much of it is out of his control, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he keeps slimming down each off season. It's good to see that because yeah. it suggests that he's working right for you know con- just basic things like conditioning that he needs to do to be a good player in the NBA. But and he you know, also we've, he, we've made oh. a lot of excuses for him or given him a lot of passes. I think and uh, maybe you should continue to get those basically because he can't really control some of the problems that he's got. But. There's, a, there's an issue with uh, whether to extend his, his contract with the the, the team option, mm-hmm. and that's contentious among the the hardcore Timberwolves fans. Uh, you've sounded off on it. You want him to extend uh, to extend Bennett. Uh, has anything changed in your mind based on seeing him this summer? For me, uh, I still think they should extend. I agree. I think they should extend him. I'm probably less hopeful than I was when the summer started, actually, despite having some good moments in the, the FIBA Americas games. Uh, but but I think that when you've got that kind of talent, you know, it's sort of like, why not at this yeah, point? I mean, exactly. I, I, I know that's you against it. it, you know, but um, I'm not sold on our power forward position, despite it being really kind of on paper deep right now. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's, it's uh, There's sort of a disconnect between the uh, prevailing or maybe increasing narrative that the wolves have a crowded power forward spot with the real uh, sort of the reality that they don't have a power forward right now that they would consider a part of their core because right now their core wh- uh, you know whether the fans you're whether you're asking the fans or whether you know I think whether you're asking flip Saunders the core of the team is Wiggins and towns in the middle of it and on the next level if you were starting with like a nucleus and working outward the next level would maybe have zach levine i think he's still well, yeah if you're asking most fans rubio but if you're asking flip i'm honestly not convinced flip thinks of rubio long term as highly as he thinks of Levine, and I don't think I'm the only one who thinks that. I think Flip thinks yeah. Levine's going to be a pretty special player, and I'm, but but yeah, I don't know. Levine, Rubio, uh, I, you know, it's uncertain after that, right? I mean, because then you get into guys like, well, Tyus Jones or, um, I mean, you've got, uh, you've got our Adrian Payne, Shabazz, Shabazz, uh, yeah, sorry, Shabazz, Shabazz would presumably be where Rubio is, probably, but or maybe not quite that high, but yeah, in that range, but. Yeah, so I don't know. You don't have a power forward, though. I mean, Payne isn't hasn't done anything yet. I mean, he's been probably worse than Bennett in a lot of important ways, um, and he actually got to play with the Wolves when they had some of their good players. So his his situation was a lot better than Bennett's was last year. 
But so, so you also have. We'll talk more about this later too. We're we're going to run through the yeah. roster as it stands today and talk a little bit about each guy. But um, the bit kind of X factor, I think, you know, given what we know about a lot of the guys who could play some minutes at the four for the Wolves, uh, which is the newcomer uh, Euro League MVP. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I, uh, I don't like think I've ever actually heard it spoken. Bajelica. No. That's so we're right. for now just call him Bajelica, even though that's not how it's pronounced. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I'm, 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 you know, really excited about him. I think it's going to be cool to, um, to see what he can do. I'm, I'm less sold than I think most of the kind of Wolves blogosphere uh, is, and and the hardcore fans and commenters on how productive he'll he'll be and. Uh, I think he might have some weaknesses that don't show up as much in some of the scouting reports people read and some of the, you know, the, the eye test stuff that is really the kind of the limit of what ordinary Joe fans like us uh, and everyone else can do through YouTube. You know? um, Hashtag but, Alexi Shved. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's another case. So, uh, so I'm you know, always intrigued by those guys. <laughs> Uh, sort of like why I am sorry uh, by Zingas. <laughs> yeah. but, but like, I mean uh, to get kind of back on, on point I, I totally agree I mean we just don't have a four I don't think we really have unless we you know at this point we've got a bunch of guys but no no starter right now and Bennett could become an NBA starter I think legitimately the talent's there yeah. With the cap going up, I mean, I, I just think it's the right thing to do, and it's it's pretty obvious, uh, obviously to me, a, a no brainer that they should resign him. And I, I'd like to I'm see him that money, right? The money that they would save by uh, by not extending him. What are they going to do? It's, with uh, it's not going to be that. It's, it's no serious it's, opportunity cost. It's seven million, and with the cap going way up, it'll be more like five million as we currently understand it. Um, what I think. Two things I want to see. One, I want to see Bennett in a more modern style system where there's pick and roll happening with spread floor happening and a passing point guard on the court. He has played with Kyrie and Waiters as a backcourt once. That's arguably the worst passing combo of guards in the last few years in the league. That might be a little hyperbole, but I think... No, I love... I mean, guys for different reasons, but I, I don't think that either one of them is the guy that a young power forward who needs to get the ball in, in you know, com- confidence-inspiring positions on the court wants to play with. Second of all, um, on the last year he was playing with Mo and Levine, kind of 50-50 between those two, almost zero, like less than like 50 minutes total with Rubio. but And they were both, particularly Levine, but both of those guys were not playmaking point guards um was it it first game back from extended injury or second i mean it was like right away when bennett got hurt yeah it was was terrible right with the injuries it wasn't i don't think it was i mean it was it was a real injury whether he needed to be out as long as he ultimately was uh, i don't know but um but yes. what, do you remember what, which game it was after Rubio came back? So uh, I was really excited to actually see him with Rubio. I mean, you've mentioned this a lot uh, on Twitter and stuff, but we still haven't seen that. I think that's what you're right. It's another reason. Uh, he's Rubio just makes um, guys who are having trouble transitioning to the NBA look a little bit better. Uh, imagine that right the way. And we saw it with Derek, too, and I, I don't even like that comparison. Now I'm going to pull up the – Timberwolves roster from the 2011-12 season, just to give some names of guys that were getting big minutes 
when Rubio was allowed to do what he does and uh, the Wolves were in the playoffs at the time Rubio got hurt in the West. Hold on, because it's a pretty impressive list. This is impressive, a, this uh, always the, a little magical uh, trick. Yeah. To pull. I love it. And by impressive, I mean it's impressive for Rubio, not impressive names. Uh, even though, you know, we love some of these guys. But the 2012, sorry, the 2011-12 Timberwolves. Man, I'm having some internet issues here. Um, okay, hold on one second. All right, totals. Let's just sort it by minutes played. I think I can do that. Okay. Number one in minutes, Kevin Love. Obviously, he's good. Number two, Luke Ridnauer. Not really getting, not really what I'm getting at, but it's still impressive that the Wolves were hanging in there with him. Number three, uh, Wesley Johnson, third in minutes. Four, Derek Williams, fourth in minutes. Uh, Pekovic, Rubio was fifth in minutes because of the injury. Pekovic was sixth, and obviously that was kind of his breakout year, so he was good. Seven was Martel Webster, and that was like pre-Washington Martel, who was kind of the enigma. Um, he was okay, but, you know, nothing special. But he, he definitely had a – nah, he shot 34%. He wasn't that good on the Wolves, was he? No, he was terrible. Okay. He was he was still the Martel Webster who was falling asleep in a, a, a car. Like, I don't even know if it was his car at a, an airport and just, like, getting rousted out, I think, by the police. Oh, I didn't know but, that. I forgot about that. Yeah, no, he, he just had – he was a weird dude. I mean, he, I think he had some um, professional issues, uh, professionalism issues coming out of high school that never really got resolved in, in Portland. Uh, he's been better, or he was better for one season in Washington, but he was – Pretty nice, bad for the Timberwolves. And then eighth in minutes was the our boy Michael Beasley. Eleventh um, in minutes was Tolliver, and twelfth in minutes was Ra- Anthony Randolph. Thirteenth in minutes was Darko Milicic. So you had, I mean, if you just lump those together, you had heavy doses of like Derek Williams, Michael Beasley, Wes Johnson was a starter. Uh, you know, and then all kind of alternates of like Anthony Tolliver, Anthony Randolph, a little bit of Darko mixed in. But when you have a guy like Rubio running the show, shots just come so much easier. And some of these guys played the best ball they'll ever will. Play. I mean, I don't know. Oh yeah, you've, you've, what you've got there is a, a really crappy, sneaky, cool David Kahn kind of team. Yeah, and they were and over five hundred at the time of Rubio's injury. The, the guy who's actually a pro basketball player. Um, in basically all different ways, jump shot aside. And I, I think that we still don't appreciate it enough what a winner he is. I mean, he's just played with such crappy competi- or crappy uh, uh, teammates so far. I mean, I think he's had the injury problems. So, you know, lining things up, if, if we're healthy this year with better, uh, you know, better players around him and, you know, some guys who still have a bunch of things to learn, I think that... Um, that you know, we're gonna at least see some some things that we just don't see from guys like Anthony Bennett, and, and we really can't see with him not playing with someone like Ricky Rubio, who's a special playmaker. And then the flip side too is that I'd like to see Bennett on defense with serious defensive players next to him, because I think what you'll find out quickly is whether or not he sticks out as a problem, because. Yeah, he looked bad on defense at times last year on the lineups with whoever. I mean, who was he with a lot of the time? Gorgie, who looked clueless last year for some reason. He did in his rookie year. 
hashtag Adelman effect. Yeah. Uh, but Gorgie and uh, Zach Levine and Mo Williams, who didn't try on defense last year, it was like, how do you even know what would be good or bad defense when your teammates are, you know, everyone was bad, including Bennett. It's just, I'd like with to see over effects. Yeah, uh, I'd like to see Bennett on the court with, you know, try him on the court with Garnett uh, and Rubio and Wiggins and just kind of see what the defense does. Because if your four man is a terrible defender, that's going to cause problems and the Wolves will know if he's a problem or, and if alternatively, you know, maybe he'll, it'll boost his energy level up because one thing about Bennett, another, and it's, it's tied to what I talked about, about how he stands up too much on defense, but before games and just his overall persona is very chill and it's too, too much. So because those rare moments where he gets loose and hammers a dunk and practically breaks the rim, you can see that there's intensity in there, but it's a matter of getting him going. And, you know, Rubio and, and some of these guys, I don't think Wiggins would be the guy to do it, but Rubio and some of those guys, KG, some of that stuff is infectious, I think. And, and he could use someone to sort of bring him into the NBA intensity level because it hasn't happened for him yet. Yeah, but, it seems like Flip Saunders is actually pretty good at kind of yeah. getting the young guys, right? And he hasn't uh, gotten through to Ben, though. His offensive philosophy, no one really does, uh, and yeah. some other things that he does. Uh, I mean, one thing I've always respected about him is how seriously I think he takes the the kind of mentorship role for young players, not yeah. just because of KG, but um, but I don't know. I mean, we had, we didn't see it last season. I don't know. Um, I mean, it wasn't his priority, frankly. And but I think you're right. I mean, with the nucleus of, of you know, variety of people, Kevin Garnett, uh, Ricky Rubio, and, and and you know some members of the coaching staff, it, it's it's still pretty tantalizing. Yeah, and like getting stops as a team, you know, that's something that you kind of learn, and then you sort of come to expect it. Like the like the Grizzlies, they've had some roster turnover, and it's not like Zach Randolph it's like, is. Zach Randolph isn't a. Um, he's not a guy that you're like, oh yeah, you're gonna have a good defense if you have Zach Randolph. I mean, but he knows what to do. He's part of that Grizzlies identity, and the Grizzlies every year are hard to score against, and it's about establishing that. And if Bennett could be a part of that, you know, I think it'd be good. But. We'll see. That's probably – I'm going to just take a look here. So that's about 26 and a half minutes of Anthony Bennett discussion. Uh, we could probably move on. Um, we were going to talk a, just a minute about Kevin Durant's free agency. Um, it's not for another year, but it's going to be a story that looms all season just because, you know, there was a there was a minute there where he was probably the best player in the world. Maybe LeBron was – out of shape or something, or I don't even remember when that discussion was being had. He won MVP, I guess, right? Two years ago, yeah. two seasons yeah. ago. So yeah, so he he's been in the discussion as the best player in the world. Hopefully, really hopefully, uh, that foot heals up and he's back to that level this year because he's pretty unbelievable to watch. He might be the best pure scorer shooter in the game. But he's going to be a free agent, and the Thunder have had a lot of bad luck, and um, some people think that they have a bad media relationship with their players, and it, you know they just fired Scott Brooks. Who knows what Billy Donovan will be like? It's possible Kevin Durant's going to leave the Thunder. It's too early to know anything at all, but one team that popped up in the Twitter chatter was the Knicks. Of course, the Knicks are always there. They're always the, the team that's going to get somebody, even though they never do, but... 
Uh, that would be kind of fun if they. That'd be kind of fun if they did, just because I think Phil Jackson would probably be coaching into his mid seventies. Then I don't think Derek Fisher gets that wheel if if they had Mello and Durant. Yeah, that's probably a fair uh, proposition to make. Yeah, I don't know. Are there any team? I mean, the, the other one they talk about is the Wizards, just because that's where kind of Durant's from, right? D.C. or Baltimore? D.C. area. Uh, I'm not sure if he's from the district proper or somewhere um, in Maryland. I can't remember. But, um, but yeah, yeah, so that's the other team that's talked about a lot. I mean, they're pretty interesting, right? I, mean, I think they'll have the cap space depending on uh, a few decisions that they've got pending still. I, mean, but I think they'll have the cap space regardless. It'll be a matter of sort of uh, how much money they clear. Um, but regardless, they'd have a core in place, I think, still of – John Wall and Brad Beal, which is super awesome. Yeah, like at least John Wall is great. Brad Beal, I think, is is going to be really, really good, and uh, it'd be a fun team to play for, despite the fact that Randy Whitman still got that wheel. Yeah, how does that work? I thought I saw him the other day, and then I realized the guy was only like six four. I think Whitman's like six nine. I have seen <laughs> Whitman before at a restaurant. It was right after he got fired. That's random, though. It doesn't. It's right after he got fired from the Timberwolves. I almost ran him over, and it was like a snowy night. But which restaurant? Uh, it was in Eden Prairie. I don't remember the name of it, but um, <laughs> it was the night before it was announced he was fired. So the night before, I saw I saw him. I was at the game, and the crowd was chanting "Fire Whitman," you know, uh, as Baron Davis's Clippers were beating. Beating the shit out of the Timberwolves. <laughs> You're painting a dark picture of that evening. I'm just thinking uh, it's like as a, a sub subplot of like a Fargo season two episode. Yeah. Punk Punk Blogger runs over Randy Whitman like uh, <laughs> vehicular manslaughter like as he's getting fired from the team. I, I smell a I smell a screenplay. Yeah. Uh, no, but yeah. Anyway, I don't know why we're talking about that, but. Yeah, Durant on either of those teams. I, it would be nice to see him go to the East um, for the Timberwolves' sake, but for the whole Western Conference and the league balance sake, just to get some more star power out East. I don't want to see the Cavs just walk to the finals all the next few years because, you know, Fred Hoiberg could be great in Chicago, but unless Derrick Rose starts to actually look like 2010 Derrick Rose, I don't think the Bulls are going to be a real challenge to the Cavs as they're constructed now. Yeah. Yeah, that's becoming an increasingly distant memory of the kind of the great Derrick Rose, at least. Uh, I mean, he just doesn't play very much anymore, which is really, really a shame. But so before we leave Carmelo quickly, or sorry, uh, Durant, uh, so Carmelo is, is reportedly leading the charge in the recruiting effort. I don't know exactly what that means. I've just sort of seen the headlines, but it's super intriguing to me because uh, Carmelo seems to roll about his fat as possible in New York City. That's PHAT, of course. Uh, and uh, I suspect, you know, it's, it's you know, it, it, it's sort of, you know, given how young Durant still is, there might be sort of like the the college recruiting, the you know, um, hashtag Coach Cal um, and uh, Jesus Suttlesworth's he got game recruiting visit kind of stuff going on. Uh, with Carmelo and like, this Baltimore crew leading it, which is uh, just something that I wish uh, we could have uh, for any podcast or topic. Uh, someone like Network from um, from Twitter and uh, Jason Concepcion, who's I think the funniest NBA guy, uh, who mm-hmm. 
speculates endlessly about inane stuff like this, but I bet they're having a good time to the extent that they're they're doing stuff together. So that would be an interesting thing to uh, to monitor, and I will probably you know plug uh, Grantland here as it might. You know, there are rumors that it'll die. Sort of, at, you know, ESPN won't keep supporting it. Uh, Bill Simmons is gone, all that, but uh, he'll probably have some some pretty um, pretty hard hitting features or or a little like what is it, is it called the triangle um blog entries on this so uh anyway, yeah sorry go ahead oh last thing on mellow very uh, random i was reading this rolling stone article on russell wilson the um seahawks quarterback now um famous boyfriend of sierra who doesn't sleep with sierra but <laughs> Uh, in the article was a little nugget about Carmelo at some event they were at. And he was, for some reason, they were like orchestrated something for Carmelo wanted to set the record for most high fives in 30 seconds. And then they were like, because he was like insisting on running in a fedora and he loafed through the line, he <laughs> failed to break the record. And he was kind of pissed about it. <laughs> That's ex- that, that captures exactly what I was talking about in the abstract. Uh, so anyway, Carmelo has attempted to set the Guinness record for high fives in 30 seconds and failed to do so. And it sounds like it's because he wanted to look cool while doing it. So, Do you think Clyde Frazier had any influence on that? And, and is he a dark horse in this recruiting effort? It's a good question. God, I hope so. Yeah. All right. Um, so, so let's talk about rookies uh, next. And... You know, it's, uh, we're going to content farm from ESPN uh, Insider, no less. So sorry, uh, but they did a, uh, a little poll recently and just put together a set of rookie of the year project- projections. Uh, it seems like something that you do during the summer uh, in August when there's nothing else to talk about. But now it's uh, September and we're getting closer to the season. Uh, they had Towns as the projected rookie of the year. Um, Oka for second, Moutier, who was drafted seventh, but it's going to be the starting point guard for the Nuggets uh, after a season in China out of high school uh, as third. And uh, D'Angelo Russell is fourth, Justice Winslow is fifth. Um, what's your take on the, the that you know kind of top five list? I I personally think that uh, Okafor, in, so in a different poll, Okafor was actually voted by the players. I'm not sure what the sample of players exactly was, uh, but a sample of players uh, voted up, like separately from this ESPN uh, just projection, and so they put Okafor as most likely to be Rookie of the Year. I think Towns was second, and um, so that's probably the crux of the debate. But uh, but you know, I think so. I guess to take it away from sort of the standard narrative of of Towns versus Okafor, uh, given uh, you know Okafor's got, I think uh, he's going to be featured a lot, assuming that they don't completely tank again, um, because uh, uh, because of the the injuries. Uh, with Joel Embiid, uh, I don't think that you know, Nerland Noel is going to be uh, their featured scorer. So he'll probably average something like 17 to 21 points a game, I think. And Towns, I don't think, will. Um, that's not to say Okafor is necessarily a better player. But you know, those kinds of stats for people who aren't going to be watching 
the 76ers very much and who knows how good the Timberwolves will be. I think more people will watch us than the 76ers, hopefully this season. Uh, so they'll see towns. Uh, they might be you know, kind of more likely to see him struggle uh, at times, at least on offense. Uh, so to, for towns to, to be sort of like the clear rookie of the year over Okafor, if those assumptions hold, what do you think that towns sort of needs to do? Right. Um, first of all, I, strongly disagree with having Towns as the favorite. Uh, I would totally put Okafor and probably Moutier over him because think about what would happen, have to happen for Towns to put together. Well, I guess maybe that's the question. Think about what it would have to take for Towns to win Rookie of the Year. I think the Wolves would have to make the playoffs. Yeah, they'd probably have to have a good team so that he got a bump for that. And he'd have to be a substantial, you know, contributing factor to that success, which he may or may, you know, he very well may, may do. But if Rube, if the Wolves make, say the Wolves make the playoffs somehow, which there will be a long shot, probably a bigger long shot than the Twins this season, which has been a fun thing to watch. They might have a chance, but... If the Wolves were to make the playoffs, say they win like 47 games or something like that, you're probably getting, you know, a breakout year from Rubio to the point where he might make the all-star team. That might be a prerequisite even, like something where Rubio is like a 13 and 11 sort of point guard whose shot doesn't hurt him too much, and he does that pick-and-roll stuff. And Wiggins takes a step up, averages 20 a game all year. Uh, KG's healthy for like 55 games, that type of thing. What does Towns' stat line look like in that scenario? You know, I mean, yeah, just don't I think, don't know. I don't, I, you know, I think right or wrong, the the kind of numbers game is puts him at a disadvantage. His his yeah. uh, stat line, I think, in that scenario is, uh, you know, kind of optimistically like eleven and eight or something. So again, another assumption, you know, that the Pekovich probably isn't playing many minutes yeah. to the five. That's probably realistic, but who knows? Yeah. He might play more, a little bit more than people think, and so. You know, if he's playing fairly limited minutes, let's say like 25 to 27 minutes a game, mm-hmm. seems realistic. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think he'd, he'd probably still in that kind of rosy scenario of the Wolves making the playoffs, et cetera, need to average like 13 and 11, uh, yeah. you know, and be considered to be, uh, you know, a really like, integral part of a winning team, you know, uh, you know good defender, uh, you know, kind of a difference maker whose qualities, you know, show up in, in other areas than the stat line. And I think over the long haul, that's probably likely to be true. I think he might be, I've kind of changed my opinion on this. I think he might end up being a more valuable player in his career than Benoka for. I didn't think that going into the draft, but uh, for this year, I, I, I mean, I'm with you. I strongly disagree that he's likely to be the, the rookie of the year. And I, I, also think that Moutier is probably going to come in second. Yeah, it just seems like the Nuggets and the Sixers are going to be able to feature their rookies a little bit more easily. Okafor could even average like 23 a game. It wouldn't shock me just because I think he's the best, you know, incoming interior scorer since, I don't know, years and years and years. I don't even know which... I don't know if Duncan was that good when he came in the league at scoring. He might have been. I'm just, I mean, I'm sure he yeah, was really I've, good. I've but. seen a, such a young player with such a well-developed post-game and just overall interior kind of like scoring, you know, scoring instead of scoring instincts. And 
Uh, yeah, and probably the the last one was Al Jefferson. Uh, I hate that comparison because I think it's it, it sort of does both guys a disservice. It's not really a, the, you know, it's sort of apples to oranges, but just in terms of uh, ability to put you know put ball in basket, uh, yeah. those both had a special knack or have a special knack for it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's going to be a plus skill that Okafor can just rely on, I think, and go to kind of, you know, he can still stink at defense. He can have troubles at, you know, at the free throw line and I think walk away probably with the, the rookie of the year if, if the Sixers don't bungle it and he stays healthy. Uh, another rookie, um, we, we'll talk about, probably about Moutier at length some other time with like highlight reel stuff to discuss. So let's skip him. But I wanted to talk just a bit about D'Angelo Russell because you know, some people were, were really high on him going into the draft. His stock rose so much. He had a great year last year. Huge numbers at Ohio State. Great feel for the game. And then played a lot in, in summer league and uh, and just didn't look very good. Uh, do you think that he's... I guess one sort of still should be in that four slot for the kind of likely be fourth best rookie. Let's just call it that. And, uh, and that, you know, he'll, he'll play better than he did in the summer league. Who knows what sort of the Lakers rotations and stuff will look like this year. There's a lot of variability there. That swaggy P is an X factor Kobe, right. Um, sort of a basket case team, but, uh, but I think that he's sort of on the Mike Conley path. I, I still actually think he's going to be really, really good, but not this season. Yeah, the thing for like his immediate impact and rookie of the year prospects is that Kobe is going to have the ball. <laughs> that's just not going to allow. That's like the worst player in the league to have to share the ball with. So, and they have Jordan Clarkson too, who had a good rookie year. So I don't know. What, who's the Lakers starting backcourt on opening night? Wouldn't it be Clarkson and Kobe? Or uh, I don't. I mean, it, it'll be a judgment call between Clarkson and Russell. I think Clarkson is the better player right now, and yeah. in the, for for the NBA. I mean, they played along. I mean, they played in the same backcourt in the summer league a lot. Yeah, which isn't isn't really like what you would see right in in the regular season. Probably one you know, one is going to be the point guard, and and someone else will play the two during the regular season, but uh, Clarkson looked just like a flat-out better player, which, again, I think is sort of distorting reality. I mean, Summer League is everything is, you know, with tons of grains of salt. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I think that Clarkson and, and Kobe will probably be the starting backcourt if Kobe's healthy and, uh, you know, they're going on merit rather than we're going to start Russell because he was a high draft pick. I'm still catching up on these, like, rotation player off-season moves, and I'm seeing that Sweet Lou Williams is a Laker now. Uh, so they also have him back there, and he's not going to not take shots when he's in the no, game. No, it doesn't necessarily disadvantage Russell, right, because he's a really good distributor, right? Yeah, so, that's true. So you want, you want a guy, I mean, uh, you want to have people who can make shots after someone delivers nice passes to them. The Wolves have had trouble with that with Rubio, right, of putting shooters yeah. and, and kind of optimizing <laughs> Different NBA plays, uh, the you know the three point shot issue, all the stuff. But we haven't had a lot of great shooters either. So um, not, I mean, I guess I mean Lou Williams is a is a really good scorer, uh, also a good shooter. So mm-hmm. I think that Russell might benefit from actually having sort of like a, you know, lower expectations in some ways, at least for scoring than he did in the summer league. Mm-hmm. Uh, just be in a position to develop as a point guard rather than uh, kind of a, a hardened light kind of of player who does it all. Yeah. 
Um, well, yeah, that's well, that's probably enough on rookie of the year. Do we want talk, to talk about Justice Winslow? I don't really. Oh, yeah, he's listed as like the yeah I, with D Wade. I just think that's kind of a tough sell. Dragic and Wade. It's like how would, um, yeah, I just don't see it I, for rookie of the year purposes. I think he could end up being really good, but yeah, uh, I think the rookie of the year realistic rookie of the year candidates are Okafor, Moutier, and and Towns, and then. If if Kobe gets hurt again, then Russell would leap into that conversation. But until that happens, I I don't see how it's possible with Kobe in the lineup. But um, so we were gonna just do a little what well, we we were gonna do a little lightning round where we just go through the Timberwolves roster and just kind of quickly say a few things about each player that is currently on it. And we went to the Wolves website, which has the roster page, which I always think reminds me of that board game connect or not connect for i uh, guess who i don't know if you remember that game it's the one where you like flip the people's faces over i don't know why it reminds me of that i just think it's hilarious because they each have like their it's interesting that it reminds you of it <laughs> they should have a they should have a timberwolves uh guess who game made they have kind of a diverse roster you know you could have, every player's you know look is a little different you could have a pretty good game with that i'd have a hard time actually i'd have an easy time i think with the uh, bajelica <laughs> Uh, one way, I wish we were doing this via video because it's just, it's the logo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That is the logo. <laughs> Number eighty-eight. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll post that on the website afterward, just and so Tom, Tom, can fail out with us. That has nothing to do with how good he may or may not be, but uh, right. but yeah, I'd have a hard time putting a face unless it's it's Jerry West's like seventy-plus-year-old face yep. uh, with it. But uh, but yeah, so let's let's just uh, run through them. Um, uh, do you want to go in order of the, the you know they're sort of listed with by I guess just by last name. So Anthony Baker's Bennett, uh, Bajelica, Lobro, Gorgie, KG, Tyus. So do you want to start with like guards for you know or rookies to veterans? Uh, I don't yeah. care. Let, let's just go alphabetical and we were going to just quickly say predictions number of games played for the Timberwolves this year not counting playoffs if that were to ever happen somehow but just regular season uh, and then points and minutes per game and then one random prediction we did not plan this at all so this is off the cuff we'll probably have like we'll probably end up with like a total points per game of like 200 because we won't think it through but we'll just uh we'll just kind of go off the cuff and we'll we'll go one at a time for each guy uh so do you want to start with anthony bennett uh, yeah so we are i mean we already talked about him i think that uh i so games played i'd say um, I, that's, I mean, I, I don't even know if we, that's a very valid metric because apart from injuries and tanking and stuff, uh, it's really hard to know. And unless they're, you know, getting DNP CDs, but, uh, I think when he plays, uh, he'll probably play about, uh, 15 to 18 minutes or actually, I think it'll be a little bit less than that. So, um, 12 to, to 17 minutes average five points a game. Uh, and I think that he'll uh, – so I guess the, the, the kind of prediction uh, is he'll have a few really big games, which will probably uh, spark more debates that, about what, you know, kind of what his upside is. And he'll have a bunch of really bad games or just games where he's invisible like we see uh, a lot from him. So not a shocking prediction, but that's something I expect. Uh, my prediction for Bennett is that he plays zero games for the Wolves because he's traded 
before the season starts. Um, don't want that to happen, but it's just seemed like uh, something that's kind of just lingering that could, you know, pop at any minute where, you know, Mark Stein or one of the local guys will just tweet out, Timberwolves have traded Anthony Bennett to Golden State Warriors for James Michael McAdoo and a second round pick or something like that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like we're at any, any day that could happen and it would, it wouldn't surprise anybody. So, but we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, I'll let you start next. Uh, let's okay. just like that. Uh, so, so you get Jellica. Okay. Uh, he, I'm going to go with a uh, number of games played. I guess I'll go with, uh, 50, um, probably average uh, four points in 10 minutes per game um, and a random prediction uh, is that he uh, puts he, he, he subs in for Peck as a as a funny guy on the Timberwolves in arena video themes <laughs> uh, he, he, he takes over as somebody that they come up with some funny ideas for on the target center big screen. Yeah. So for, for him, I think uh, I'm more optimistic. I think he plays more games. I think he'll play say 70 plus games, probably. Yeah. I think he'll play 15 to 25 minutes a game. Uh, I think he'll probably average more like uh, closer to 10 points a game, possibly. Uh, I actually say probably like nine, nine and a half. And random prediction is that before the end of the year, this is actually a promise. I will learn to pronounce his name and uh, and know his face better than I do now from the grainy ass YouTube videos that I'm used to seeing. There you go. Uh, so uh, so Lorenzo Brown. Let's make this one fast. Yeah, uh, probably. Is he even going to make the team? I'm. What are we at right now? I should have. I have it right in front of me. Well, I have 17 guys in front of me. I just got Bennett traded. That means 16. This Rudez guy could be gone, which would bring it down to 15. I'll, I'll, I'll say Lorenzo Brown plays in uh, 12 games, averages two points in eight minutes per, I don't know. And a random prediction is that he doesn't play on the Timberwolves beyond this season. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't quibble with the numbers stuff. I, don't, I think it's pointless for him. Uh, yeah. Prediction is... Uh, he ends up exiting the Timberwolves and coming back to the Timberwolves again. Oh, yeah, and there you go. Whatever games he plays, which I think 12 is reasonable, <laughs> come like late in the season after um, other things sort themselves out. Gorgie Jay. Uh, so for him, I think that he plays um, most of the games. He seems not to be injury-prone. Uh, and so I think that he'll do kind of what he does. In terms of numbers, I don't think there'll be a dramatic change. And uh, in terms of predictions, I think actually he's interesting trade bait. Um, uh, so I think he could end up as part of, or maybe should end up as part of a deal. I, I wouldn't predict that he will. But um, but that's something that we don't talk about very often. So I'll throw it out there since we're just freewheeling here. Okay. Uh, for Gorgie, I guess I'll predict that he plays in, you know, 78 games, averages uh, maybe like 10 points in 24, no, more than that, probably 10 points in 26 minutes per. 
Um, and a random prediction is that he will bank in a three-point shot this year intentionally. Uh, so moving on to Kevin Garnett, uh, I can start with this one. I think Garnett will probably play in 44 games, probably average five points in, no, maybe more than that. Seven points in 17 minutes per. Um, and a prediction about Garnett is that this will be his final NBA season. So for, for KG, my uh, my um, random prediction is actually part of the first first parts of the, uh, the so I think one of the predictions I'd say he plays fewer than 10 games this season. And second prediction is that he punches Bajelica in the face in the first week of training camp. <laughs> if he's healthy enough to do that. I don't, yeah, I don't think you'll even get very good odds on that one in Vegas. I think that's pretty much a, that's like an even money or something sort of bet. Uh, Tyus Jones, do you want to start with Tyus? Yeah, uh, sure. So I think Tyus Jones, I would say, will play half of the games this season. Uh, I think he'll only play uh, maximum 15 minutes per game. Uh, even if the Rubio injuries, it would free up some space for him. And uh, prediction is that he'll log some time in the D-League this season and do really well there. It's probably not a bad prediction. Um, yeah, I think I will put him down for getting in the game 60 60 games 10 minutes per average three and a half points and a random prediction um uh boy is that they promote the living hell out of him in those 10 minutes per game uh so zach levine is uh he's an interesting one this could be a wide range here uh, for Zach Levine, I will predict that he plays in 82 games. I will predict that he averages 10 points in 20 minutes per game. And I will predict that Zach Levine dunks from further away than any player ever has in dunk contest history. I, I think he might bring a, like a long jump into it. Uh, because he's got to do something beyond. I mean, last year was probably the best dunks. Either those are Vince Carter's in 2000, but maybe the best dunks we've ever seen in a contest. And I think he's going to have to do something to try to one-up it. And I think he has the capability of leaping from probably more than 15 feet, maybe like 16 or 17, and, and still finishing the dunk. So that'll be my <laughs> prediction. Uh, prediction uh, for Zach Levine. So I, I basically agree on the, the numbers. I think he might play slightly more minutes than you predicted per game, uh, more like 22 to 25, um, and score about 10 or 11 a game. Uh, prediction is he'll be suspended for something really stupid that he didn't know something about, uh, he didn't know anything about uh, that he was actually doing wrong at some point. He's just a, like a, you know, he's a, a character and really gregarious, and I kind of fear that young Zach is going to get himself in, in trouble at some point. 
Uh, no, not, nothing bad spirited or anything, just a good no, faith. No, just, just an ex- uh, ex- someone, someone puts something in his bag that he shouldn't be carrying or something when he's going through an airport. Like, might have, you know, what might have just happened to another guy whose uh, basketball IQ isn't uh, arguably the highest, Dwight Howard. Who's way older than Zach with less excuses. <laughs> Correct. Okay. Kevin, I'll let you lay into this one first. Uh, Kevin Martin, um, I think we kind of know what he is. He's, you know, he's getting older near the latter part of his contract oh i think he'll play in probably 65 games he'll probably have some like hamstring injury at some point that keeps him out for like 10 games in a row or something but i bet he'll play in like 65 games probably average 26 minutes probably gets 15 points in those 26 minutes i think that would be probably a good role for him this year um, a random Kevin Martin uh, prediction. Boy, uh, that he makes uh, that that he indicts some former performance of himself and a former coaching via his effort level. Like in other words, like he did last year, he'll make another comment about how like this year he's actually trying as opposed to last year and every other year. So. I, that kind of rubbed me and some other people the wrong way. He, he basically made it sound like Adelman was letting them get away with anything, and so they did. But what do you think on Kevin Martin? Kevin Martin, uh, so I think he'll score more than you think uh, because he's going to be the guy who can obviously put you know, put the ball in the hole, and he's not shy. And I think on this team, so he seems to me and did last year too to have this sort of sense of uh, feeling like he's on the you – know, he, he's – on the wrong team for him at this point in the, his career that he sh- you know, shouldn't be on such a young team. He's just not, he's not a leader. He's been on bad teams his whole career. I think he gets traded this season, uh, and it could be potentially for uh, to free up space for Levine, who's a huge favorite of Flip Saunders, to play at the two, and that we get a not much. So here's a prediction, I guess, that we get a, a not much better return than we did in getting. Uh, Dom John Rudez uh, back for Chase Buttinger from Indiana <laughs> and whatever other considerations. So, um, yeah, that's sort of I mean, glib, but, um, but I think Kmart might um, have limited time here in Minnesota. Uh, so Andre Miller, I'll start. Um, prediction, this is actually a fact. Uh, his Timberwolves.com roster uh, photo looks a lot like Bunk from, uh, from The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> and he's approximately the same age. I think he, he'll actually play in quite a few games. Uh, at least, yeah, I think he'll play in 50 games, uh, which is a lot for a guy who's in his 60s. Uh, and yeah, hopefully yeah. teach Rubio how to make floaters. Okay, I guess that's okay. a prediction. Right. Uh, although I don't think Rubio will learn, too. I think he'll try to teach him as Professor Andre Miller. Yeah. Now maybe... I... Uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. Uh, I think Miller <laughs> might play in, like... <laughs> He, yeah, he turns forty. <laughs> he turns forty in March. I think he'll probably play in like. Th- I'm gonna say like thirty-five games, um, mainly because I think he's now at the point where even Andre Miller can't do it every night, um, and I think that'll be pretty apparent. I think he'll get like three, four points in ten minutes per maybe you know one or one or two one stint or two short stints kind of thing. I think there'll be nights where him and Tyus each get a stint, that type of thing. 
Because I think I have a feeling Flip's going to want to get Tyus on the court this year if he can a little bit. Kind of like what we thought they were going to do with Levine last year. I think that'll be what they end up actually doing with Tyus this year, which is just get him get him a little taste of it here and there. And I think having Miller out there too much would prevent that. So I don't think he'll play much. Uh, random prediction is that KG throws a blowout 40th birthday bash for Andre Miller out at his mansion uh, uh, by Lake Minnetonka. Um, I, 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 so I had to give one more other random prediction for Miller. Uh, yeah, and and I hope Deadspin or uh, TMZ makes it out there. <laughs> it's also, so, but mine's very different, and uh, but it's KG-related, and it's that he, with probably within the first week of training camp, punches KG in the balls. Oh, okay. Well, then there wouldn't be the birthday party, maybe. Or maybe they'd make up, I don't know. Could go either way, I think, at yeah. this point. Uh, so Shabazz Muhammad is next, and uh, so I think he'll play in all of the games he's healthy who knows how many that'll be i think it'll be most of the the games that i think he'll probably play in uh, 70 plus games i think he'll potentially be the starting three by the end of the season if he's healthy i think he'll score more than we expect uh or you know have the general and whatever population of fans expect, even though a lot of people have come around quite a bit on him. Uh, I think he'll you know, potentially average, especially if Kevin Martin would get traded. We're, we're getting into a world of a lot of yeah, hypotheticals. Yeah, it's hard to get through yeah, this many guys. Yeah, 17 points a game. Something has to give with these. And do it pretty efficiently and uh, and fill a hole at, at the three with uh, Wiggins sliding down to the two and, and Levine probably being a, a backup too. Uh, I think that's a pretty, um, uh, I don't know, maybe unorthodox prediction, but it's what I'd actually like to see. It may not be what happens. Yeah, that's a good point about Martin. Getting him, clearing Martin would probably make life a lot easier for this rebuild just in terms of minutes for Wiggins, Levine, and Mohamed because Martin's kind of, he gets in the way because he's the best at getting himself open for shots and stuff like that. And that it's good for the team, but it's bad for trying to, you know, develop these other guys. But I don't know. I already gave Martin like however many 65 games and 17 or like some decent amount of points per game. So I'm, I'm kind of thinning the thinning it out here, I guess for Shabazz, he's had a lot of different types of injuries and he's pretty reckless going to the basket. I'll put him at 60 games assuming some more dings dings and and injuries uh 25 minutes I'll, I'll even jack him up to 15 points per 25 minutes that's a pretty high points per minute number it might even be unrealistically high but i'll i'll show some faith he, he leads the nba in points per times he touches the rock so if there's a guy on the team that's going to get buckets in a hurry be the vinnie johnson vinnie johnson and her <laughs> above, above the rim voice the microwave thing yeah yeah the vinnie yeah. johnson of the squad would be shabazz so oh random prediction for shabazz uh is that he posterizes a lot more people than just robin lopez this year um didn't he posterize robin lopez i have that right didn't I? or was it chris dudley not I, Chris Dudley. Uh, I'm Chris Kamen. No, I mean. It wasn't. It wasn't like 1990s. Yeah, that'd have to be like a celebrity charity game or something, <laughs> in like a low level one. Yeah. I think didn't he posterize either? I think it was Kamen, maybe. So I, I honestly don't remember. Uh, he's gonna do that to more people this year. He he doesn't have any fear in those situations. No. Uh, so a random prediction. I don't know if I made one for for Shabazz. Uh, God help us, but uh, 
I think so. There, yeah. Given his his body change over the last few years, oh, uh, I know seems, where you're going with this. It, uh, he may be suspended for five games for uh, having some kind of substance that is hard to pronounce in his system. Yeah, that helps performance. We're just hoping that Crazy Frank doesn't have an alliance with Balco Labs or anything like that. Correct. Yeah. Um, all right, Adrian Payne, not our favorite guy. Uh, I'll start. I think he's probably seems gonna... like he's a higher character. He's a what? Oh, I was just going to say, I think actually Shabazz, I, I, so I don't mean to cast aspersions on him. I think he's yeah. shown a lot more kind of, uh, yeah, himself to be a, a high character guy. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Came in, you know, especially with his work ethic since he came to the league um, than people expected. But um, but so that's that was just, uh, you know, to avoid you know, a lawsuit for libel or something. Oh, yeah. I don't kind kind of joking and also just sort of, Noting the fact that he transformed his body so rapidly, but yeah. So uh, sorry, Adrian Payne. Yeah, Adrian Payne. Boy, I think Flip's gonna have a gonna want to try to use him. Uh, I think he'll probably play in uh, forty games, twelve minutes per game, five points per. A random prediction is that. He plays on a team that isn't the Timberwolves next year. I think he may not get traded during the season, but I don't think his Timberwolves career is is long. Yeah, uh, I think those uh, kind of you know, predictions for numbers are realistic. And my random prediction would be that uh, if my random prediction about Zach Levine comes true and he gets suspended for doing something or, or you know, for, for something stupid happening to him, that it could be Adrian Payne who causes it to happen to him. Ooh, all right. Second prediction, he might uh, tear someone else's ACL by uh, over aggressively uh, and wildly rec- like recklessly running into them. Yeah, that's a real concern. He gave Gorgie a concussion last year by stealing his rebound. Um, Pekovic, the Godfather. Uh, there was some sort of link going around yesterday that he was named president of what was it like Belgrade Basketball or something? What, what, did you see that? <laughs> no. Yeah, I was like, what? How does he do that when he's playing for the Timberwolves? Uh, let me see here if I can find the link. Um, it smells like Jonathan Gavoni clickbait. Bless his heart. Yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, it was it was too low level for Google to just like pick it up very easily on a Pekovic. Yeah, here it is. Okay. Sport, Are you on, on Google Montenegro? Sportando website. Um, Pekovic will be the new president of Partisan Belgrade. I don't know how that's possible when he's a Timberwolves player. Uh, he's a front office man for a European league team or something while he's playing. I don't know what to make of that, but in any event, um, maybe he can talk trades with Flip while he's playing for him. Anyway, it's it seems like Peck's career is in jeopardy with all these leg issues and stuff. And I think the Timberwolves are trying to explore possibilities of how to get a medical exception to get him off their salary cap. Because what does he have? Three more years, I think. Maybe thirty-six million or something like that. I, his original deal was like five years, sixty. I want to say. I'm going off memory on that, but he's got a lot of money left on this, 
on that deal. Whoops, my mic is going nuts on me. Um, so I guess I'll say he plays zero games this year, um, and the prediction is that he never plays another NBA game, and that the and that the Timberwolves get a medical exception eventually. So at least after this year, he won't be on their salary cap any longer. Uh, so I think he'll play more games. Uh, I think he'll play at least 25 games and as many as probably no more than 45 games. Uh, uh, so minutes per game is actually really important for him because he's, I think, going to be on a minutes limit for the rest of his career um, to the extent that he's able to play. And so I think that in those games he'll probably play 24 minutes and uh, and score you know, something like 10 to 12 points and pick up like six or seven boards. And random prediction, this, again, is, is like going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, that we try to, to unite Twitter to uh, to kind of like paparazzi pack even more than uh, we have in the past. Like, was it your former college roommate who randomly saw him uh, like poolside with the cabana hat on? And, yeah. That was uh, phenomenal. The, the was, guy's, he, he's the man, and hopefully we'll see more of him out, like out, out, you know, on the town. That was that was a great little like uh, social media, uh, the power of social media. I went, I, I was like a happy hour, and my college roommate texted some of us this photo he took of Peck in a uh, by a cabana. And I just was like, oh, I got to tweet this photo. And then it just went viral. And Jim Peterson had it on as his Twitter photo. And then it ended up, they showed it on the Timberwolves broadcast the next game, just like how great that photo was. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like, like, it's just like funny how information can travel like that. It's like, and it's just another reason among many why Jim Peterson is the best in the business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Tayshawn Prince, I'm not overly interested in this one because I, I just don't think he's actually going to play too much. I think he's purely brought on for the quote-unquote mentorship, veteran, professionalism stuff. I, I guess I'd put him at like 30 games for, you know, 10 minutes per and like two points per or something like that. It doesn't really matter. I don't, I don't think he's going to factor into the rotation very significantly. Um, prediction uh, is that Flip talks a lot about how much Tayshawn is helping Andrew Wiggins and Shabazz. Uh, I agree. I don't think he'll play much. Uh, I'll go right to the prediction, and that is that the the person who's uh, who suffers a catastrophic leg injury at the the hands of Adrian Payne at, or possibly Shabazz, unfortunately, is Tayshawn Prince, Damn. and he doesn't play uh, any more games after that. <laughs> That's a dark one. <laughs> he, he's he's just so fragile, um, and and he's not young anymore. All right, well, interesting one next. Uh, Ricky Rubio, um, I guess I can start. I think he'll play 82 games this year. He's no more ankle injuries or or whatever some of those days off were. But I think he'll play 82 games, probably average. A little, we'll, go, we'll go optimistic, say 12.5 points in 36 minutes. Um prediction for Ricky is that he plays his way into uh, kind of an un unquestioned point guard of the future here there won't be there won't be any discussion of will Tyus Jones or Zach Levine or someone else be the point guard of the Wolves Ricky will play well enough and 
just play enough this year to make it kind of un, unquestioned that he is part of this team's core. Uh, so for Ricky, I think he'll play a ton of minutes as long as his body can handle it. And that I guess this is sort of a prediction that Flip sort of gives him the Thibodeau treatment in terms of just letting him run himself into the ground. <laughs> Actually, what I hope uh, I want to see. I mean, I want to. Yeah, I think we need him if we're going to be competitive to, to play a lot of minutes and a lot of games. Prediction. Other, other predictions are he has an outside chance. I'll just say uh, since we're saying things that we'll uh, be embarrassed about later on if anyone ever listens to this is that he'll um, he'll lead the league in assists and be second in steals oh, there you go uh, I don't even know who Rudez really is so I don't really care to make a prediction I don't think he'll be on the team do you want to pass over him uh, yeah anything you want to say I'll, I'll predict that uh, Canis Hoopis will do a really good job of continuing to cover him I mean they uh, and that's a, a plug for those guys we don't plug Canis Hoopis enough everyone already knows who they are if they're listening to this but um, but I mean I learned a ton about the lesser known foreign prospects especially over there and um, and that uh, so uh, you know, I think that that um, he probably won't be a factor for the Wolves this year and I don't know if we can stash him anywhere I mean it, it, I think everyone's D-League eligible is that true um, I don't I, I kind of go his future is I wouldn't mind if he's actually a shooter like um, like I read you know on on Canis Hoopis yeah, I think the guy's kind of intriguing because of his size. I don't think he'll ever really be a, you know, more than like a potentially useful ninth or tenth man. Yeah, like a very spot situational player. But if he can knock down threes you know, as a, as a big man, that's in short supply in Minnesota, or at least has been. Yeah. Um. So Carl Anthony Towns, um, prediction number one pick, number one pick overall. Uh, prediction, Sarah. So, I guess so, so. For the the expected averages and stuff, uh, I think I'll play in in at least seventy games this season. Probably uh, uh, average about twelve points a game in say twenty seven, twenty six or twenty seven minutes. I don't think I'll play a ton of minutes, um, and that he'll confirm that he is what we thought he is which is a extremely solid uh incredibly large basketball player who's got a, a really high upside that what i think we'll see more of in season two than we do in season one yeah i think he'll play in 82 games unless there's an injury but i don't think there's any reason to expect one at this point i'm knocking on wood right now uh I think he'll play in 82 games. I think I think your minute average is probably about right because I think he'll foul a lot. Um, I probably maybe I'll put it at 29 minutes per game because I think Flip's going to try to play him as much as he possibly can, a la what he did with Wiggins last year. I just think that the fouls will be an issue for Towns and the interior, whereas they were not for Wiggins as a rookie. Uh, in those 29 minutes, yeah, I'd put him at probably 12 points a game. Probably a pretty efficient 12 off, you know, jump shots, hopefully some threes, but jump shots and putbacks, things like that. Um, be nice to see him get to the free throw line a little bit. Maybe Flip will force feed him on the block like he did with Wiggins to sort of get him accustomed to being tough, kind of like Calipari did with him too. Um, but really I think his upside is more on the perimeter just because of the way he could combine his matchup 
problem that way. He could be a center who can shoot and actually dribble. But uh, so, can, I, can I make two more predictions on Towns? Actually? Yeah, throw them out there. <laughs> We're all about the predictions. One, uh, he banks in a three-pointer intentionally as well, possibly before Gorgie does. Intentionally? Yeah. Oh, okay. I would have got Gorgie. I think well, I, I could see it unintentionally with Towns, but go ahead. Yeah, uh, I think he 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 might like the angle from like the the far left, uh, yeah. like it's an elbow. All right. Uh, second prediction is that he's the rare NBA center these days who joins the the kind of like uh, NBA cultural elite of guys like um, um, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul. And uh, those types of guys who are, you know, like fashionable, marketable. And that's super cool because of the fact that he's a center and that's a dying, dying breed in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I guess my prediction for Towns will be, um, I don't know. I don't think he's going to win rookie of the year, so I can't really say that. Um, how about that he uh, Flip lets him I'll, I'll do an optimistic one Flip Flip will allow Towns to shoot three-pointers this year More so than he did Didn't the other guys last year I think I think we meaning everyone on Who has any sort of internet voice Has hammered on the three-point thing enough That it's on Flip's brain a lot uh, I think he's aware of the fact that he needs to open up his offense to include more threes. And I think in the scouting process, they were talking a lot about Towns' shooting ability. There was that YouTube video that went viral of him just working out and swishing threes. It's got to be a part of the appeal. I mean, Towns' superstar potential, in my opinion, based, based on what we know right now, is this idea that he can do that stuff and defend the five position at an, at least an above average level eventually. And if you get a guy who can protect the paint and shoot threes, that's sort of a like better version of what functionally what Draymond Green brings, which is a guy who's like an okay three point shooter and can like sort of defend the post and other positions. But anyway, so I'm going to predict that Flip lets Towns fire away from three at least somewhat this year. Okay, we had some brief technical difficulties. We're going to wrap this up by talking about the uh, the franchise cornerstone, Andrew Wiggins. Do some quick predictions on Wig. Um, I think he'll probably play 82 games, average 37 minutes a game, and probably score about 20 points per game. Um, you know, I, I'd like to say it'll be more like... Uh, you know, I'd like to say more like 25 and get wild and crazy, but I think that with guys like uh, Towns, trying to incorporate Towns, Levine being kind of a, a guy who's going to get shots, and Shabazz definitely a guy who's going to get shots. I don't think the Wolves are in a position to have like one guy get a ton of points. So uh, I think Wiggins will have a really good year. Hopefully he'll break out. I, I'll do a optimistic um, prediction that he at least gets all NBA votes at the end of the year. Do we know if they get votes? We do, right? If guys are also receiving votes on that type of thing? I think so. Uh, I'll, I'll predict that he gets some like third team votes or something. Like he won't make a, he won't make an all NBA team or probably an all-star team, but uh, maybe he'll come on in the second half of the season where 
you know, he ends up with over 20 points. Maybe it skews a little higher in the second half of the year and the Wolves, you know, compete hard and some sort of uh, some voter who wants to get attention gives him one or two, but he'll be at least sort of on the outer periphery of that conversation. Yeah, uh, briefly. So I agree with the, the, the basic like um, production indicators for Wiggins. I think he's going to have a really good year. Uh, the prediction for something that uh, we might see from him, I think, is uh, a few game-winning kind of big dagger shots that uh, he'll be in a position to take like he was last year, and that'll, I think, be a step forward and is exactly what Flip Saunders wants from his guy who can be a go-to hero ball scorer if necessary. I like it. 